Well, kia ora whanau. welcome to another deep dive on the podcast, and this one is an absolute blast. Lots of fun. I got to sit down with Black Ferns Sevens player Michaela Blyde. Now, Michaela, she's awesome. We got to talk about all sorts from rugby to Olympics to McDonald's uh, to mental health, identity. Honestly, this conversation went everywhere, and it's full of gold. So, check those headphones in. Check it out. Michaela, kia ora. Um, Hello. What a way to spend your Saturday morning hopping on a podcast. I mean, what else would you <laughs> I rather think be of doing? anything better, bro. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty unreal first start to my Saturday morning. Right, right. I mean, the sun, I don't know about you. Yeah. Sun's out here um, and hopefully stays out for the day. Although Auckland, you never know how long it's going to oh, stay yeah. out. Yeah. To be honest, with weather in general in New Zealand at the moment, like in Tauranga, it's been bucketing down with rain, and then yesterday I think I got sunburned, and then today is a little <laughs> bit grey. So kind of bipolar, but you know we'll work with it. Interesting. I always thought Tauranga was like we said off here. I'm in from Fongamata, and Fongamata's weather's quite loyal to you. You know, if it's sunny mm. at eight a.m., it's sunny at eight p.m. You know, I always yep. thought Tauranga was similar. Um. I mean, if I'm up before 8 a.m., it's because of training. I'm half asleep probably, so I'm not really looking at the sun just yet. Um, But, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like since moving to Tauranga, I have gone probably three shades browner since, um, you know, growing up in Taranaki. So it's Mm. just done me some really good things, the sun here in Tauranga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it is stinking hot. Um, But, yeah, if it wants to be cold, it will be cold as well. Uh, Which part? Which part are you living in? Uh, What's that? Which part of Tauranga? Papamoa. Ah, oh, Papamoa. Okay. Yeah, so I'm um, probably like two minutes inland from the beach. Oh, no way. Yeah. Not Sick. a bad spot. Not a bad little posse. Um, what's, kinda... the, what's the demo there? Demographic. Oh, God. Because I always assumed it could be wrong, but it was always, you know, people that retired. went. To well, to be honest, that's actually something that I thought. So when I first moved to Tauranga, I was 19 and. Um, that's actually that I kind of noticed when moving to Tauranga was that like there's a lot of old people who have retired and there's not actually many kids or like people my age yeah. um, because they obviously all go off to university. Um, so that's actually something that I kind of, I guess not struggled with, but had to come to terms with that. Um, my only friends were my teammates yeah. Um, yeah. and finding other people outside of it was a struggle because um, they were either literally high school kids or old people that have retired. So the True. middle-ish kind of age gap, I was like, where do you go? Who do you look for? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's, I mean, because we've had similar experiences where I was 17, I flew the nest to Auckland. You mm. flew the nest at 19, you say? Mm. Yeah. What is that experience? Because I know how I would sum it up, and it's like, how do you cook? How do you how do you look after yourself as an adult? But how, how was that experience for you? Like actually leaving home, or maybe you were flat in forehand, I don't know, but like leaving your kind of community, going to the big well, I mean you could call Papa Moa Tauranga the bigger It's know, massive but, compared to Taranaki. So it is, yeah, yeah. The big smoke, yeah. yeah. The, the little big smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Medium. Um, yeah, yeah. How how was that experience for you? Like how did you cope with that? Was there any like things that you just were like whoa adulting is hard because of this um i mean the adulting i was okay with um i so when i finished school um in 2013 
I had 2014 um, at home with my parents. I couldn't afford to move to Tauranga then for sevens. And so um, I just worked on the farm with mum and dad. My family are dairy farmers. So I worked for dad on the farm and then trained here and there where I could. Um, but I guess like my way of growing up after school was that I did chores at home. I helped out with cleaning. I helped out with washing. I helped mum with um, cooking mm. because she was working full time at the Taranaki Rugby Union. And awesome. so she wasn't home. And dad doesn't do washing. Dads don't do washing. Dads don't do vacuuming. And nine times out of 10, my dad won't cook. (laughs) He might cook once every couple of weeks, but um, that's usually my mum's job. And so I guess I just helped her out there. And so moving away from home, the hardest part was generally just moving away from family. Like I cried for weeks on end. Mm. Um, I I still remember the moment that mum drove away from my flat and honestly, I was just a mess. I was yeah. such a mess. And she was a mess too. Because um, I always imagined that leaving home, I'd just go to another flat in New Plymouth or something. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that my first time moving away from home would be to a completely different region. Mm. And although it's only a four-hour drive from um, Tauranga to New Plymouth, it was still a massive shift for me being that far oh. away from my family and just constantly used to being around mum, dad and my brother's. Um, so it was something that I had to adapt to pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, when it came to the cooking side of things, I think I cooked butter chicken every day for about two weeks. Yes. Or a bit like soul food, yes. like this is my home food. <laughs> I had like the, I don't, I think it's like a liter or two liters, the normal tip top tub of ice cream. Yeah. yeah. Like a liter yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'd have that in like two nights. Like <laughs> I just, I was just so sad. Like yeah. I was oh, training I and having to eat like all this healthy food. But for that first two weeks, I was like, stuff you healthy food. Yeah. I need some comfort food right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I miss yeah. my family. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was the hard part, but like washing, you know, going to the supermarket, I have, I had no big deal about that. I'd done that at home and, um, you know, I had to drive around. Like that was actually another thing as well. I was driving around the city and mm. trying to get used to the city. Um, obviously, I was so used to New Plymouth and mm. country roads and whatnot. But like the roundabouts were different. Right. Traffic lights were different. Like I was like, oh my right. gosh. And it was it was some like those random little things that I had to get used to. But everything else outside of that was sweet. I um I just I remember because I've got family in well yeah I do have family in Otomodai, which is more in. Tauranga but yeah. I remember oh, where is it there's this roundabout where you go to the mount somewhere mm-hmm. I don't know which this is a huge roundabout but there's lights on it and you go around I don't know where that is but I remember oh, driving in one that's, yeah yeah I think I know what you're talking about it's one? like Welcome Bay yes 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 yeah is kind of that way Welcome Bay is that way if you come this way it's the mount. yeah I know exactly which roundabout you're talking yeah. about and it's I, so confusing. Yeah, and I'm there like, and then I mean, I'm in Auckland, and Auckland's confusing in itself. But that was just, I was like, oh <laughs> crap, where do we go here? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I can I can relate to that, especially. I mean, I yeah. come from no traffic lights in mm. Whangamata, you know. So yeah, I can totally relate to that vibe. But I love that butter chicken was your comfort food. Are you yeah. talking like butter chicken out of a can, or are you talking like you are? <laughs> Petex oh, yeah. out Petex. of a jar. Yes. Yeah. My oh. absolute favorite. I still make it here. Like, yeah, how long have I been living here for? Seven <laughs> years. And I still make it to this day. It's probably, oh, I, I would it. always have that at least once a week. That's at awesome. Because that, yeah, that's mine as well. And my mates, they joke, like, if I would say, hey, I'll cook, I'll cook dinner tonight, they're always yeah. like, oh, don't really feel like butter chicken, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right then. Wraps. <laughs> oh God, no. Honestly, like I. So what I'll do is I'll have um, 
I'll usually use like one to two jars, chicken breast, and um, just like your classic Uncle Ben's heated up in the microwave rice. Yeah. Um, but I put the rice in the butter chicken. So it's like just a like a big, oh, yes. yeah, big meal like that. I don't have the rice separate. I chuck it in with the um, butter chicken and stir it up and Bob's your uncle, you know, Jesus. easy, easy. Carbs, protein, and flavor. All in one. All well, in one. I heard a term recently and I'd never heard it before. I hope I'm saying this right. Is it called? It's like a, a Buddha bowl. Is that what they call it? Oh, yes, yes. So yes. it's basically it's carb, protein, and a bit of something else. Green. Probably a little bit of iron or fiber yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. But I'd yeah. never heard that term before. And then I thought about it. Ninety percent of my meals is that carb, yeah. protein, and you know maybe a bit of green or a bit of whatever fiber. <laughs> you know, fiber. <laughs> Basics. <Something different. laughs> what about um? Because I, I mean, maybe you already did this. I think you probably alluded that you did. But supermarket shopping on your own for yourself. Yeah, I can. Um, I found so as a country kid, yeah. um, we obviously always had pigs, chickens. Um, being dairy farmers, we always had milk in the fridge. Mm. So I found it really, really weird buying eggs because True. we just obviously used the eggs that our chickens laid at home. Yeah. And so when I was looking, I remember buying them for the first time, and I was like, I don't even know which ones I grabbed. Like, what's a seven? What does <laughs> what does size eight mean? Yeah. Like, what if they're slightly white or slightly darker brown? Like, what is the I honest? It was bizarre. Yeah. It was such a weird feeling. Um, so yeah, that was probably. Like I still remember the moment that I had to go into the supermarket and grab a thing of eggs. I was like, cool. Like this, this is, is, I've never done this before. This is how normal people do it. <laughs> yeah. These, these normies like buying <laughs> eggs, like weirdos. Yeah, um, yeah. But the other random thing, I always tell people the story when I first moved to Tauranga. Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously in the country or in rural areas, um, you have a letterbox and you chuck your mail in the letterbox, you chuck the flag up, and that's so the postman knows that there's letters in yep. the mail to be delivered. Yeah. And so when I first moved to town, I can't remember what exact letter I had to send, but I had to send a letter. And so I put it in the letterbox and saw that there was no flag on the letterbox because I moved into, um, into Mount Monganui probably like the second month because I went, I initially moved out to um, sort of like Tapuna area. Mm. Um, just to kind of settle in and um, I moved in with our coach at the time and then I found a flat in the mount. Yeah. Um, so when I moved to the mount, chucked this letter in the letterbox, saw that there was no flag. I was like, okay, sweet. I'll just leave it in there. Three days later, I checked the mailbox and it was still there. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's wait, funny. what are you up to, postman? Like, <laughs> pick up my letter. What and I rang guy. my mum and I was like, mum, th- these people aren't picking up my letter. Like, how do I send it? And she was like, you idiot. Uh, yeah. Like they don't do that in town. You've got to take it to a post office. I was yeah. like, Duh. where, where <laughs> do you get told this? Like I didn't get taught that in school. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Where do you find that out? How do you know that? So oh, that was probably another lesson that I had to learn from moving into a town was yeah. that you don't put your letter in the letter box because there's no flag. Mm. You've got to put it in one of those freaking massive red and white boxes, yeah. boxes out in the post office. So it's yeah, so like, funny. That is so funny. I I I I don't even think Fongamata had the pop up red things on the on the letterboxes. Yeah, no, that was our one back home in Leperton. It was the little red flag, and it would pop up like this. And you had oh, to pop that. it up for the postman. Yeah, and whenever us kids accidentally left it down, we got in trouble by mum and dad because the letters weren't getting posted. So yeah, it was yeah, one yeah. of the tools that we had to do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. There's just the whole 
the difference between growing up rural versus growing up urban. Like even me as a, as a student, um, like I remember when I first was an AUT student in Auckland <laughs> and just th- remembering people being like, hey, should we go get some food? And it was like 7 p.m. Like, what do you mean? Everything's closed at 7 p.m. But yeah. nah, because Fonga Matai, like if you ain't, if you ain't at the, well, fish and chips are normally open to like eight, right? But everything else is closed at 5.36. Yeah. I'm even talking the supermarket. Um, So I reckon that must have been another thing like, oh, maybe Taranaki had things open later. I don't know. But for me, it was like, whoa, there's people getting Maccas at like 11 p.m. Yeah, totally. We, um, so where my parents live in Leperton, um, the next closest town would be probably Waitara, which is about a 10 minute drive. Um, and that's where we either got fish and chips or Chinese takeaways. Um, the other like main um, takeaway, I want, I don't want to call it a takeaway, but the other thing that we would get was Subway. Like that was one of the treats that now, we'd, we'd have as well. You've had a good point because I'm very torn too. Because is yeah. Subway a takeaway? Because I feel like when I get Subway, I feel good about myself. You know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because you think of takeaway and you think of fish and chips. Yep. or Chinese, or KFC, mm. or um, pizza, you know, yep. like yep. that's what you Hard. think about when you say takeaway, but no one would ever think of Subway. Yeah. Is it yeah. just because it's healthy-ish? I, now, I feel like, I feel like, ugh, I don't know, I'm on the boat of it's not a takeaway. Mm. It's a sandwich, like, you just, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a Made different- fast. Yeah, <laughs> like, who has sandwiches for dinner? You know, like so. Mm. Who knows? I guess. Yeah. Mm. Um, that is so funny. That's such a funny yarn. <laughs> um, <laughs> when, you, when you introduce a rugby player to your podcast and you talk about takeaways, very <laughs> hard, eh? Hard. I feel that. Oh, I mean, the amount of times because I've got good friends that are rugby players, and the amount of times they finally break their, I don't know, season's over or or it's cheat day. Or even when I was traveling, I traveled with a rugby player. Well, he's my mate, but plays rugby. And he's always eats, try, tries to eat so clean. But when it's like blowout, it's blowout. You know, we're getting yeah. KFC at the airport, fly to Melbourne. We get Hungry Jacks. We, you know what I mean? Like I, I've oh. seen rugby players blow out on fast food when they when their season's over or when it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm just like that too. As soon as it hits leave, I'm pretty sure one of my days that I've had in the past Oh gosh, I've, I would have had like McDonald's for breakfast. I'm pretty sure I had KFC that night for dinner. Like I've definitely done that before. Love and like that. the next morning you're kind of like, oh no, I need to go for a run. That was such a bad idea. Yeah. But in the moment you're like, this is heaven. Mm, it's glorious. It, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 Totally yeah. understand that feeling. Yeah. Nah, I love that. I love that. And I mean, I know this is such a random side tangent, but McDonald's, right? That was my Achilles when I first moved to Auckland because there was none of that mm-hmm. in Whangamata. We had a subway. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, um, no Maccas. And so I love the Big Mac for the, just for the Big Mac sauce. Personally, oh, okay. I love the yeah. Big Mac sauce. Yeah. And yeah. I've just discovered you can buy it. What? In the Where? supermarket. No. Yeah. It's, um, I would go and get it, but like, it's my fridge is ages away. But legit, <laughs> it's just Waddy's burger sauce. And I don't know how they've done it. So anyone yeah. listening, this is a hack. And I hope McDonald's, please don't like, Sue Waddies or something, but legit, it's the same sauce. Wow. Mm. No Waddies burger sauce. So I've like had Ooh. burgers this week homemade and just boom, slapped it on and then. Wow. I'm mind blown about that. That's insane. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy some. I mean, my usual go-to for McDonald's is um, the quarter pounder. I knew you were going to say that. I knew. Yeah. I just knew. Yeah. Or either 
So quarter pounder combo um, with a six pack of nuggets and then a chocolate milkshake and either, depends on how hungry I am, a mitt chicken burger on its own or a cheeseburger on its own. Yeah, you have to have the smaller burger like complimenting it, eh? It's like a snack. Mm. It's honestly like a snack. And to be honest, I'd usually, if I go quarter pounder, I'd go McChicken because like the quarter pounder and the cheeseburger sauce is quite similar. Yeah. Whereas McChicken is different to the quarter pounder. Yeah. So the question is though, do you warm up with the smaller burger and then eat your quarter pounder for last or do you save it for the end? I save it for the end. Quarter pounder first. Ah. Mm. See, I'm opposite. Mm. I'm like, like even when I'm eating like a, like a roast dinner, I'll go veggies first, carbs second. And then yeah. the meat last. I always, mm-hmm. I've always do yeah. that, you know. Yeah. So same with yeah. the burgers. I'll be like, so if, if I was you, I'd go chicken nuggets first, mm-hmm. uh, McChicken second, then the quarter pounder, and then the milkshake. Oh, okay. So I think I have that mindset of if I eat my quarter pounder, I'm stoked. But if I'm too full to eat the next burger, then I'm not fast. Whereas if I eat the True. McChicken or the cheeseburger first, and then everything else, and leave the quarter pounder for last. I'm more disappointed if I'm too full to eat that because that's like the mainie. That's actually that's my that's mindset. A, but that's a game changing mindset. I've never thought of that. And now upon reflection, that has happened to me many times. Yeah. <laughs> Where I've just yeah. been like, oh, I'm not even feeling like this. Um whether it's a Big Mac or a quarter pounder or Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, what yeah, an insightful like podcast first. episode. All right. <laughs> we've we've like changed the game for everyone listening right now. Guys. Totally. Uh this is our uh, Big Mac, uh, what do we call it? McDonald's TED Talk Live. Yeah, yeah. Um, funny, eh? Hey, I want to know about school for you because, I mean, I find it really interesting for athletes, like, um, or anyone really, but mm. what school was like for them? Because I feel like school, especially your college, or what do you call it, high school years, are so shaping and forming in ways. Um, yeah, like, what – what was your schooling like? And were you, and even me as a teacher now, I, I find it so interesting being like, I wonder what kind of child you are, like yeah. you were. And then I try and match you in my head to someone in my class. Like, yeah. oh, you're just like, it's kind of like this person or that person, you know? But for, <laughs> for you, was school a good time, bad time? Um, I loved primary school. So primary school for me, I went to Leperton Primary, um, little country school. I think there would have been maybe like, a hundred kids at the school. So nice. like enough for one class each year. So one year, one, one year, two, one year, three class. Um, and I loved it because like you knew everybody. Mm. It was just, you know, you, you literally figure out each other's names. You know who every teacher is um, nine times out of 10. Most of your cousins go to that school too. So my cousins went to Leopardin as well. Like all of my brothers and I were at school together at one point. So, yeah, yeah, I absolutely loved my primary school days. I I definitely at first was a real quiet kid. So all of my school reports said Michaela is a quiet student or Michaela doesn't talk very much. So I was quite a shy kid um, growing up, Mm. but I was very, very active from the moment that I could walk. I was running around. I was playing all sorts of sports. Um, I was that kid that always wanted to run against the boys because I knew I could beat them. I was playing soccer or ball rush or, you know. Ball rush. Oh, my gosh. That's a throwback. Yeah. All of those games I was playing at primary school and I just, I loved it. I loved my time at Leopardin Primary School. And um, whenever I can, I'll always try and go back to to Leopardin and give back to the kids or, you know, show my medals or talk about what um, little country kids can do because – I think a lot of people 
um, who are rural kids or come from a small community just instantly think that their opportunities are limited because they're not from Auckland or Wellington or Christchurch. So I love to send the message that yeah. You guys have just as many opportunities as anyone else. You know, just because you go to a small school or live in a small area um, doesn't mean that your op- uh, your opportunities are limited. So, mm-hmm. yeah, loved my primary school days. Intermediate, I was quite similar. Like, I um, just re- was real active, was in the soccer team, played touch, played basketball, yeah. um, did the cross country every year, did the athletics every year. Like, all of that, um, I just made sure that I was signing up for as many things as I possibly could. I wasn't really like a naughty kid um, Mm. because if I was, I got a hiding from my parents and (laughs) (laughs) you don't, you didn't want that back in the day. Um, So yeah, no, I was definitely a a real um, quiet, did my thing kind of kid. Um, I didn't like getting in trouble by teachers. So I was a little goody two shoes. We'll put it like that. Yeah. Um, And then high school, I guess, you know, as all high school kids do. Yeah. You find out who you are. You go through the teenage years. You think that you're unstoppable. And so I totally went through that phase as well where I thought that I was like, you know, so popular. The bee's knees, yeah. The bee's knees, yeah. Um, Started to figure out, you know, where my confidence comes from. But I was just that kid that was known as the fast one or Mm. the one that was really good at every sport that I tried. Um, That was kind of like my reputation, you could say, at school. Yeah. Um, And my my feel or my um, my joy of winning definitely came from school. I hated losing. I'm such a sore loser. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that, but that I definitely that. came from school. I hated losing at school. And I loved the feeling of beating everyone in races or yeah. winning soccer games or winning touch games or whatever. So um, yeah, I definitely got those habits from school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think too, like, I mean, I see it in primary kids that I teach, but I, I remember from when I was at school, even though it's not the World Cup final in whatever sport you're playing, it still feels like it. You're like, we're, if we're playing social, well, what do you call it, PE volleyball, and half the class maybe aren't even in that, that into it, you, you do feel like this is like high stakes. We're, we're playing volleyball and we've got to yeah. win this game. And yeah. if we don't, like it's all over and like next period is English is going to suck because we're going to be in a bad mood and <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, 100%. And I was one, um, someone who would like yell at my teammates if they did something. Oh, or you were. I'd do like the classic uh, and like roll my eyes if anyone in my team sucked. <laughs> I was literally to that point. It's probably borderline unhealthy, but yeah. I love that. <laughs> Did, I've, okay, because I, I was thinking about this, right? For you then, did you find being – because I totally relate. Small country school, there's that feeling like I can't crack it, you know? Like you see the people on TV, the sports stars on TV or whatever, um, and just think, man, I'll – yeah, that's just for the big city folk. I understand that mindset 100%. And another mindset, like, even moved, moving first, to, first time to Auckland, that was like, oh, I'm such a small fish mm. in this pond, you know? Um, yeah. Did you feel that, like, because you say now you've, you you understand that, but how, how did you kind of get the mindset of actually, nah, doesn't matter where you come from, you can you can crack it. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously through your career and through your success, that's happened. But there must have been a moment, like even in the schooling days, where you kind of like because obviously in schooling you were pursuing all sports, but rugby as well. You must have been like, yeah, actually, nah, let's go. Yeah. I can do this. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm the woman. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I well, for starters, I'm stubborn, and so um, I definitely use that to my advantage. Mm. Um, I just had this massive dream. I always tell this story to whoever I talk to or get interviewed by. Um, so ever since the age of five years old, I always said to myself that I wanted to compete at the Olympic Games. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, you watch the Commonwealth Games, the Olympic Games, and you see the New Zealand athletes. So like I looked up to athletes like um, Valerie, Allen, uh, Valerie, Valerie Adams, um, Beatrice Farmawina, um, mm. Gosh, who else at the top of my head? Um, Nick Willis, like all of those athletes, because I used to do athletics as well. So like I watch athletics all the time on TV. Um, and Can so I guess, watching, were you a sprinter? Yes. Yeah, I did 100 and 200 mainly. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, and then I dabbled in long jump as well a little bit. Um, but I was also not too bad at shot put. So um, I guess like watching athletics back in the day, like I'd um, – be inspired by them and be like wow I want to compete at that level one day um I just had this massive motivation to compete for New Zealand and I guess that also came from um the fact that my mum's a black fern so my mum represented the black ferns in 1992 I believe um and so knowing that my mum had represented mm. New Zealand was a big yeah. uh, motivation for me I wanted to be like her and say that I'd represented New Zealand um just like her and to be honest, there wasn't really like a particular moment. Um, it was just that I was that kid that loved being active. And weirdly, I loved putting myself in dark places. Um, like I loved the feeling after a fitness session that I'd done some work and felt exhausted or felt tired or knew that I was putting money in the bank by bettering myself, by running up hills or um, going for 3K runs with my family and running power poles. Like yeah. all of that stuff, I just knew that it was um, beneficial for me and my health and my fitness and um, my parents being active as well, being rugby players as well. They, um, you know, drove us kids to make sure that no, uh, that we had to understand that anything that we wanted to work for um, or wanted, you know, and yeah. in, in the future, we had to work for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that obviously comes from them being dairy farmers. You know, they don't get weekends off. They don't no. get the birthdays off. Um, Christmas day, you've still got to get up in the morning and milk the cows. So they totally understand what it means to get what you want or what you work for, because they had to every single day to put bread on the table, to, um, put clothes on our back as kids, you know? So I was very fortunate to have a really cool family support system and parents who understood those choices and the work that you had to make or the work you had to do um, to get to where you wanted to be. So I picked up on those habits and that personality trait very, very early on as a kid. Yeah. Um, so any sport that I did or any training, um, I'd made sure that I was training and working as hard as I possibly could, knowing that it would better myself in the future. Um, but I remember actually, there is actually one one particular moment, and this was kind of early days in the seven squad. So it would have been 2013. So I'd been in the squad for maybe like a year at yeah. most. And I said to my Dean at high school, um, cause obviously in year 13, they tell you that you've got to figure out what you want to do at university, but I yeah. slash yeah. couldn't go to university cause I couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, and two, I didn't want to go to university cause I wanted to be a sevens player. Mm. And so I said to my Dean, I was like, no, I'm going to be a professional rugby player. And she said to me, that's not going to make you a career you need something else. And I was like, no, I, I just want to play rugby. Like I yeah. want to go to the Olympics for sevens. 
And she was like, you're going to have to do something else, Michaela. Like you need something else on top of that. I was like, no, I'll just be a sevens player. I love this. I love this. Yeah. Look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now, Mrs. Whatever. <laughs> Come talk to me now. <laughs> you ain't coming to my medal presentation ceremony. <laughs> and wait, I bet you, I bet you, I mean, no, like, no disrespect, like, all in jest, but I bet you that lady right mm. now is like, yeah, Michaela was one of mine. And, you know, I, and yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's so funny. I just, oh, honestly, like, it's just funny because obviously, um, you know, high school teachers kind of have to drive that because it's their yeah, job, you know, and it's totally their job. And I understand that. But, I just had this massive dream that I had to go to the Olympic Games. Like, oh, my God, if I was working at the warehouse, all good. But as long as I went to the Olympic Games, you know, I just mm. – it was just a dream that I really, really, really wanted to achieve. Um, and in 2021, I finally did. So it took a while to get there, but um, we made it. We made it. Well, but- like – I'm keen to, I'm keen, this is what I love about podcasts, we kind of go all over the show. I'm keen yeah. to come back to school in a minute, but let's just, we're here now, I want to talk about it. That, um, I think, oh, my memory, I think you posted something and it was like, dear five-year-old me, you know, you were talking about when you were five, you know, yeah. and it was you on the field and I don't know, mate, I can't yeah. remember, medals, something was going on there. Yeah. Um, and I, I just like, I love that when someone goes, this is, like when someone's realized they fulfilled that, you know, and yes. I remember, so, um, me and my class were hard out watching, watching, um, the sevens, cool. like, you know, maths and English just took a back seat throughout yeah. the two or three weeks of Olympic games Fair <laughs> and Fair reading enough. and writing and all of that stuff was like, yeah, Olympics middle plug, obviously. Um, and we watched that, uh, that semifinal against oh, Fiji. Holy hecka. Like that was yeah. the most, that was the scariest she's like watching that yeah, but you sorry. guys over yeah i mean come on like at least <laughs> now nah, it was exciting it was so exciting and i'm just wondering like when you stepped out onto that even even the first game of the tournament like even going back i don't know where just somewhere stepping onto that field being like well this is like i'm on the field of where i wanted to be and it's game yeah. time i mean what was that for you, like, what was that feeling? Even in that semi-final against Fiji, you know these these Fiji the Fiji team of just superstars. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, what is that feeling? What's going through the mind in that moment? You you know, because you got that emotion. I'm here where I want to be, but I've got a game to win. But they're Fiji, you know, like all <laughs> of that going on. I guess, like, I mean, just thinking about the mo- I just got goosebumps. Um, Same. <laughs> it wasn't even me there. I was like. Oh. <laughs> I'm living your dream through yeah, the convo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, the, uh, to be honest, it was the complete opposite to what I envisioned um, because you watch the Olympic Games on TV and you see crowds, you see hype, you see spectators, you see fans. So um, it was the complete opposite to what I was visioning growing up as a kid. Um I guess like the the same feeling that I wanted at the Olympics was what I got at the Commonwealth Games in Australia in 2018 mm. with like your family in the crowd and all these Kiwi fans with signs and black jerseys on. Um, that's kind of what I pictured running out onto the field at the Olympic Games. But I guess I, 
I kind of trained my mindset to think that it was just another ordinary sevens tournament because I knew for a fact that if I didn't train my mindset, I would have ran onto that field and just got just so overwhelmed um, and way too nervous. I can be quite a nervous person. So um, I trained my mindset to just think of it as just a normal sevens tournament, but it's just called a different thing, you know, because I've played Oh, off the top of my head, I've played about 30 to 40 World Series tournaments. I've played at the Commonwealth Games. I've played a World I know what that hype is about. And so for me, it was just running out onto the field and thinking, this is just another sevens tournament. doesn't matter what it's called or what it's for. You're just here to play rugby. Yeah. And so that calmed me down a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm not going to lie, that Fiji game was, out of all of those games in that tournament, was by far the hardest. I mean, I know that we were down 21-0 against Great Britain in game two, but there was still like this feeling of, it's okay, we've got this. Yeah. Um, And then, so going into the Fiji game, we've played against Fiji multiple times. Mm. Um, Nine times out of 10, we come up against them in either pool play or like quarterfinals at World Series. Yeah. Um, for them to make semi-finals or even a final of a rugby tournament is incredible because they're still one of those um, teams that are growing and developing. Yeah, and obviously the Fiji men are unreal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know they've got that reputation of being seven superstars, and we knew for a fact that coming up against Fiji in the semi-final was just going to be a battle on its own. Like it's just a it's I don't want to call it war but it's just an incredible battle physically mentally um it's just a different kind of game it really is and there was just this feeling that they were out there to hurt us um they really really badly wanted to beat us Mm. and you know anyone wants to beat the black jersey we have that pressure and naturally we love that pressure we'd love to be we love being that team that everyone wants to beat we'd rather be that than the team that wants to you know win against teams that we don't usually beat or, you know, we want to be the winning team yeah. and with the biggest target on our back. Um, so yeah, they were by far the hardest game and that, that game that they played um, like it's unfortunate that in the game of rugby by losing a semi-final, the best you can get is third. Mm. But I think by far they were the second best team yeah. easily the second best team. And yeah. so it is unfortunate that they um, could only get bronze um, because mm. and if they played in a final, like it would have been a completely different story. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they definitely deserved silver, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it is just one of those things where you just got to be in the zone and do your job and just get on with it, even if you got to go into extra time. Um, oh, right. When they stood on the corner, it was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it felt like, oh, my gosh. We're going to lose. <laughs> Actually, it was, I was in the... No, where, was I with my kids when we watched that? Did you play... You played them once, eh, in the tournament? We played them once, yeah. Yeah. Man, oh, maybe it was the Great Britain game. I was here. I was in this lounge, and me and my yeah. friends were like, oh, my gosh. Um, but, um, yeah, what, what I want to know then, what brings you to that mindset? Because you say you have to bring your mind to focus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I, I, I'm a sports... Not not superstar, but um, I play sports as well, and on a much smaller scale in the you know North Harbour Sea League <laughs> basketball team. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, for the you Horizon start Hawks. Somewhere, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was playing for Fonga Mataf, the first eleven. No, but um, yeah. 
<laughs> like I understand that whole um, get your mind in the zone thing. And for me, my thing is um, music, obviously. I mean, a lot of people, similar. But for me, it's it's music and then and then a bit of DMB, then like then mellow it out. And then, you know, yeah. you got you got to do whatever you got to do. And then I, like when I'm driving to an event, I'm like envisioning things. For you, on a much bigger scale, obviously, to, to me, what is your thing that brings you into the zone when you've got to like forget the, like, because like you say, if you think too much, you're going to get overwhelmed. So mm. what do you do to bring yourself to that zen, like, you're on your focus yeah um well before before i even like go into detail of, of it it's taken me probably eight to nine years to perfect it um because i've been in the team for 10 years now and um it's taken a long time for me to figure out what works and what doesn't work for me and so i've definitely figured out that i am a simplicity kind of person and so rather than thinking about every single little thing that's coming up or what I've got to do. Um, I just think about three things and that's strike hard, work hard, tackle hard. And so I just put that in my head and that's all I think about. I don't think about who we're playing against or if we're kicking off or whatever. I just think about those three things going on in my head. Um, and I'm just like you music and like my music is borderline scary. <laughs> it's like your classic little John with a bunch of swear words and um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like my one of the songs is called like Alive and then another one is like um, Throw It Up. Like it's yeah. real aggressive music, but yeah. it makes me I so love angry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so Little I have, John. Yeah. 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 And um, so good. That, that's just kind of like the things that like I listen to that. I say those things in my head and it just kind of puts me in a zone of. Mm. wanting to hurt other people and it sounds aggressive but you know like if you if you're going onto a field without the mindset of being superior or Hard out. being a rugby beast like you kind of get found out a little bit um obviously our game is full of contact and mm. um you know such a physical game and so you've got to kind of get yourself into like the zone of wanting to be just as physical if not more mm. than the other team mm. um you know, and I always, um, I always think of the person that I might be coming up against, and I'll think to myself, "I'm going to hurt you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to run around you." And yeah. you know, it just kind of gets me in this in this place of just feeling unstoppable. You know, yeah. um, and I guess from there it just kind of goes on to the field. But yeah, it has taken me a very, very long time to perfect that mindset, mm. um, and especially when I was back when I was young, you know, first representing New Zealand when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I'd get so nervous that I'd start crying mm. and then I'd run out, to, run out onto the field and my legs would feel so heavy as though I'd already played. Oh, like, the worst that's feeling. Yeah. yeah, I hated it. And so I'd, I'd have to try and figure out ways to overcome those emotions. Mm. Um, and, you know, and to this day, like I still have moments where, I get so nervous that I just have to have a moment to myself away from everyone or um, I'm starting to go into the bad habit of overthinking everything. And so I've just got to kind of bring myself just to be by myself and just think work hard, strike hard, tackle hard, work mm. hard, strike hard, tackle hard. And just being as simple as possible just kind of makes me calm down a little bit. Mm. Um, and again, as well with the Olympics, I just keep thinking to myself, this is just an ordinary sevens tournament. 
It's all you mm. got to think. Mm. Just go and do your job and play some sevens. Minimize yeah. it. Eh? I think um, I because I want to touch on this because a lot of people listening, obviously not everyone listening is a, uh, uh, I would, what do you call it? Oh my goodness, mind blank. World Cup, uh, World Sevens player. Whoa, that was like a mind blank. <laughs> Who am I talking to? Um, what sport do you play? Yeah, 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 yeah. So hockey. Um, so nah, um, you now, just not- don't call me a silver fern, and then we'll be fine. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey, can I just say, side note, side tangent. I've been playing social netball. Cool. And credit to the silver ferns. Just like, can I just say, it is the hardest, one of the hardest sports I've attempted to play. I'm yeah. gassed. I'm so gassed at the end. Yeah. Like, and it's like, we're social, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I just thought that. Just shout out any silver ferns listening. <laughs> I played um, I played netball. My mum made me play netball when I was year six because my mum dabbled yeah. in netball as well. Yeah, yeah. She's like, no, nah, you got to give it a go. And I was like, nah, dumb sport. Oh. Like, pff, why would mm. I go play netball? Mm. And so she, back to like being at school, yeah. Um, yeah. it was like the netball sign-up day at Leopardon Primary School. And she knew for a fact that I was not going to go and put my name down. And so she drove to the school, which isn't that far. It's about 2K away from my Drove to the school, ran down the field and went to the sign-up area and put my name down. And I'm yelling out from across the field at my school at like playtime or interval, whatever it was called back then. <laughs> No, mum, I don't want to play. And she was like, "Stay at home." Like wrote my name down and then ran back. I was like, oh, "You meanie, <laughs> mum's for the win, eh? <laughs> oh, And so I had to play netball for my last year of primary school. Mm. And yeah, it was hard, but I'm I was way too physical for yeah, it. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah, no. Nah, I mean, yeah. just wasn't me. No, yeah. absolutely not. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm the same. Even like, because I play basketball, so it's completely different. So Tuesdays it's basketball, Wednesdays it's netball, and I'm just getting called for all sorts. Although I found my groove now, now. but yeah, now. yeah, contact. It's like, <laughs> contact wing defense. Yeah. <laughs> yes, contact. Oh no, what, what's my thing? GD goal defense. A GA goal, goal, goal defense. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. Contact yeah. goal defense. I'm like the the dude is five meters from me. Anyway. Makes no what sense. a rant. Um, where was I? Oh, I wanted to bring it back to, not everyone might be list- listening is not, you know, everyone that's listening might not be a professional athlete, but we can mm-hmm. all relate to nerves overcoming us or yeah. overwhelming us or getting stressed out and, and freaking out in that situation. I feel like those things you talked about, you can translate that, the whole just bringing it back, being simple with it to any area, eh? Like Absolutely. Not just sport, Absolutely. but like in business, as a teacher, as a student, as a mm. whatever your role in life is. Like, mm. yeah, we can all, I'm just having this thought now, you can, we can all relate to this, like bring it back to, sim- to simple, like to the simpleness and like yeah. just be aware with yourself, eh? Like, totally. And there's so many multiple ways that you can do that. Mm. Um, one that um, works for me is journal writing. Mm. So I write down every night um, what, well, not exactly, probably more like the key highlights. So if I had a really good day, I'll simply just write, I had a really good day Mm. and that's it. But if I have like a day where my trainer didn't go very well or I don't know, maybe felt a little bit grumpy or um, just like things weren't really going my way, then I'd write down what happened in that day why I felt like that, what were the triggering points of Mm. what led me to feeling that emotion. Um, And so I 
I literally do it every single day. Um, and I've been doing it every single day for a little over a year. Um, and the reason I started it was this is where being an open book and being all deep and meaningful. Yeah, let's go. In. Let's go. That's where um, we're at. So I started doing it. Um, so I'm in a relationship now and he's incredible. But before I met my partner, I was in a long-term relationship here in Tauranga. Mm. Um, and we were together for five and a half years. And um, obviously for any breakup, no matter how long you've been together for, um, can really affect people differently. And for me, um, I was just like a mental mess. I mm. couldn't focus at training, obviously. Um, I lost my love for rugby for a little bit. And so I was trying to figure out ways to kind of bring out all these thoughts that were going through my head and have it in front of me. So then I can flush it rather yeah. than be like, what did I feel today? Or yeah. what did I think about today? Why did I cry today? Yeah. Um, and so that's when I started doing it. So um, I was writing down all my feelings and emotions and how the day went. So then I could look back and be like, wow, that's where I started to where I am yeah. now. Such a good like mm. reflection process for me. So um, to look back and be like, wow, that's where I was and this is where I am today. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's I mean, it comes like you like you said, student, teacher, business, coaching, um, mm. any sort of trade, like any sort of work that you do or what you have, like your mental health or your mindset throughout the day is so crucial and relevant to anyone and everyone. And it's Huge. just a matter of figuring out ways that work for you. And do you know what I love is that you talked about um like so often when you come out of something like a breakup or or a tra you know some sort of traumatic event of some mm. kind um you always are just like i don't know about you but for me when that something like that happens to me i just want to like just get to the end of it you know what i mean yeah like i just want to get to the end of the bit of the crap and be good again or whatever you know mm -hmm. but how yeah. valuable is that journey so not necessarily the destination of like feeling whatever you want to feel, but the journey through through it yep. is is actually so well, it's healing, but mm -hmm. also it's that's where some of the gold really starts to come through, you know? Yeah, Even though it might not feel like it at the moment, at that you yep. know, in that moment, it's like this is shit. But yeah. you know um, especially because like I'm a I'm an outcome driven person and so you know I look at the moment like my major goal is to, um, you know, win a gold at the Commonwealth Games, which is in July. And so that's kind of what drives me to train and to work hard today is the fact that that's what I want. But I struggle to stay present. And so when I was going through that journey, um, I was so looking forward to seeing a happier Michaela or, um, you know, being in love again. Like I was looking forward to all of that, but forgetting that I need to get through today first. Yeah. Um, and so that's where obviously the journal writing came in and for others, it could be, I don't know, meditation. It could be having a social time with their friend or their family, going out for a coffee, exercising, you know, there's so many multiple ways that mm. can just bring you to yourself, mm. um, and just get you in a place where you're so aware of what you're doing what's going on around you. Um, cause man, when, cause this was all happening in December of 2020. So yeah. it was the Olympics was nine months away. And I was like, how the heck yeah. do I, I need to get myself 
in a place where I'm, you know, focused and, you know, I'm getting myself ready for the Olympic games. I can't go through these feelings right now. Mm. Um, so I was trying to like rush it. I'm like, <laughs> I want to get over this. Stop crying. Go <laughs> do some training. But um, one thing that I, one thing that I learned was that you've got to embrace those feelings. You've got to embrace the emotions. If you feel like crying, go let it out. I, go have a tear. You know, I'd be in the middle of a gym session and something would trigger me. And so I just went to the bathroom and started crying because it just felt really good afterwards. And so, um, you know, for others, it could be that as well, just making sure that whatever feel or emotion that they're feeling, don't reject it. Don't mm. try and push it away. Mm. Like let it come in, let it, um, let it overtake your brain or your body because then you know how you can get through it. Mm. Um, what you can do to, um, I guess, overcome those emotions, what were the triggering things for those emotions. Um, so yeah, that can definitely relate to anyone of any trade and definitely for people who are professional athletes. Oh, for sure. And I even think like, um, for men and women, but for men, Mm. like, being vulnerable is actually so okay, you know, like, absolutely. Like now I'm at a place personally where it's like me and my flatmates are the same. It's so funny. We um, love watching movies, for example. Mm-hmm. And like when there's like an emotional thing happening in the movie, we're all like not afraid to just cry about it. You know, like we watched, uh, <laughs> we just watched that. the season finale of The Office. We, I don't know if you've ever watched The Office. Um, <laughs> no kidding. I just started watching like the first two episodes with my partner. Oh. <laughs> It's a ride. Have you seen it before? I've only so I've only kind of seen scenes of it on TikTok. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> classic. <it's> funny. <laughs> it is so good. They're, like get through the beginning. Like the beginning season's awesome, but not the best. But then two, three, four. Uh, it is the best show on yeah. the planet. But we yeah. got to, okay. So I won't spoil anything then, because hopefully you get hooked like we did. Yeah. But we got yeah. to the finale and cried about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Like it was that good. It's a comedy show. That oh bless. Yeah. That makes my heart flutter. You like, know, it's beautiful. Like, like a even, bunch of men having a moment over the office. That's well, gorgeous. Even at my last flat, I mean, a bunch of rugby guys and yeah. then me, the like basketball kind of football guy. But yeah, yeah. and like half the size of them. But um <laughs> we watched um this is such a tangent, but what what's her name? Adele live at the Albert Hall. Oh yes. Yeah. And we we cried at that. I was like, this is beautiful. <laughs> She's such a beautiful singer. I, I just like, the voice gets me. She understands. But, you know, I feel like going back to what you're saying, like um, I think for any guys listening, I don't know really what I'm trying to say. It's okay to cry. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Or maybe it's okay to be vulnerable, to you know? 100%. Yeah. And, you know, it's such a, uh, I want. I don't want to call it a stereotype, but, you know, you, being a rugby player, you know, we're portrayed on TV as these macho, strong, tough people who um, play a contact sport. So we've got to be mentally and physically tough. Um, mm. And I do, I do 100% feel sorry for um, the the male rugby players because the stigma is that they are these big macho men who literally don't cry over anything. But mm. you know put rugby aside, we're still humans. We are human being first. And, um, you know, whenever I see like a social media post or anyone uh, promoting mental health um, in the rugby world, I'm all for it. Um, One of our, one of our sevens players, Ruby Tui, she's a massive mental health advocate and she, um, 
she always does like a mental health Monday social media post. Oh, I love that. And um, they're absolutely gorgeous, you know, and it's seeing like other male rugby players do something similar on social media. I think it's um, important that we see or promote that um, although we are these strong, tough rugby players and, um, you know, we, we play the sport that's physical, we still have emotions and they still have feelings. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a real tough world that we live in sometimes, but as long as you kind of figure out what works for you, um, I guess as well, figure out what makes you feel good, makes mm. you feel happy, mm. keep doing those things. If you need time to yourself, go take that time for yourself. Go be by yourself for if you sure. need to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough old world that we live in with the kind of sport that we play. It's real cutthroat. If you're not good enough, you don't have a job kind of thing. And it's like that for everyone. Yeah. Um, so it's important that we have that, time where we prioritize ourselves and um you know totally. rest and recover our mind and our brain because that's just as important as recovering our our body as well mm. that's some um, that's some real powerful and and important corridor there michaela because like you know 90 percent or maybe not 90 percent, i don't know pulling that figure out of nowhere but 90 yeah. percent of your uh interviews i mean this isn't really an interview but like you know formal interviews with whatever whoever mm-hmm. broadcaster or whatever 90 yeah. percent of it is code right this is what we did yeah. well this is what we're doing here uh you know i grew up down here this is my whatever like that like it's quite that stuff but mm-hmm. I, I guess it's it's not often or maybe it is more often nowadays but you know you get to actually talk about stuff such so important such as mental health you know mm-hmm. for and, sure um, that's why yeah. i love this space because it's a space where like we'll talk code we talk shop we talk we just had a freaking McDonald's uh, yeah. hamburger review session. Absolutely. And if that's what helps with your mental health as well, go get that McDonald's burger. Go get that yeah. quarter pounder, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Make it a large if you want to make it a large combo. No one's judging. I ain't judging. Yeah, yeah. yeah hard, hard, neither am I. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think... Yeah, it's important, and I, I yeah, I hope I hope that you get to have this space not just on this podcast, but with what you do, mm. you get to go around and actually promote that, that important stuff. Yeah. Absolutely, I'm very fortunate to have an incredible support system around me. Like, obviously, I've got my teammates, and my teammates are, you know, they're my sisters, they're my they're my best mates, um, and we go through the exact same things. You know, whether it's not being selected for a team or injury or personal things outside of rugby. Um, you know, like there's, there's so many life lessons that we go through while being in this team. So we have to help each other out outside of rugby as well. Um, and then I've obviously got my family who mm. will always have my back, whatever decision that I make in life. And um, I'm really, really proud of the things that I've done in rugby and then I also have my partner who is just one of the most amazing people on the planet. And, you know, he just, he obviously, he used to be a professional athlete himself. He was in the rowing um, crew. So he understands what it means to make those choices and those sacrifices mm. uh, to be a professional athlete and to be an Olympian. So I've just got incredible people around me that Sick. I am so comfortable with being open with. 
Um, And I think that's really important for anyone who is going through whatever they're going through, have that support system around them, whether it's your nana or your coworker or um, your partner, heck, even your neighbor. If you've got a good relationship with your neighbor, you know, have those people who um, have, you know, a space of no judgment, Mm. um, a space of love and care and comfort um, cause all of those feelings help when it comes to our mental health and it comes to, you know, it helps with being human and feeling human and feeling good about yourself. Mm. Um, I think that's really important for anyone, no matter what job you have. Yeah, nah, you're, you're hundred percent right. And I love, I love how it is no longer a, uh, uh, an undercover stigma or whatever, you yeah. know, it's no longer this kind of swept under the carpet thing. It's yeah. acknowledged widely. Well, you know, it's still do we can still get get a lot better as a as a culture or whatever as a country as yeah. a country yeah but yeah. um i think we're slowly get, getting there a bit better mm-hmm. mm. yeah slowly yeah. yeah but we are getting better slowly yeah. slowly although <laughs> let's be honest covid has not helped at all oh you know <laughs> how, well, how have you I... coped with that eh like just like the oh. fact that it's literally stripped away your like for me i can still teach but yeah. for you, you couldn't go out and play rugby because yeah. obviously you can't travel or you can't gather. Like how did COVID do – how did you go with COVID for you? Um, well, COVID obviously postponed the Olympics for a whole year. So, um, yeah. So for me personally, it started off pretty crap. Mm. <laughs> um, and then obviously we went through the whole, you know, pay cuts. Um, yeah. Um, I think some of our management weren't getting paid for a few months. Um, so it was a scary time. It was a very, very scary time. We could have easily lost our job um, because with COVID, we could not play rugby overseas. Our job is to play rugby overseas. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was a very, very scary time of my life um, and for many others, of course. But, yeah, yeah, for me personally, when I found out that the Olympics was postponed, um, initially I didn't believe it. it. I was at my, I was at my parents' house. I spent lockdown, um, the big, big lockdown I spent with my family, yeah. um, back home in New Plymouth. And I saw it on the news the morning it was announced. And I was like, nah, this is a joke. Like yeah. they can't do that. It's the biggest sporting event in the world. Like yeah. I've been training my butt off for four years. Cause yeah. the Rio Olympics I missed out on cause I was a traveling reserve. Yeah. And so I trained my butt off to compete at the Tokyo Olympics. This was my time and it was taken away from me just like that. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. I cried. I yeah. bought my eyes out. Yeah. Um, I cried to my coach on the phone. I thought it was extremely unfair. And mm. I honestly just went into a real selfish negative space where I was like, nah, like how could they do this to me? Um, right, yeah. I have done this. I deserve to be in a place where I could be selected. Like I just was such a negative, negative Nancy. Yeah. Um, and I had to go through that process of grief. You know, something was taken away from me that I've worked really, really hard for, for such a long time. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden it was gone. So um, I had to speak to our sports psych and yeah. just kind of say to him, what am I doing? Why am I feeling like this? And he was like, Minnie, it's natural. Minnie's my nickname. Yeah. Um, it is a completely natural thing. It just go through the feelings, accept them, let them in, um, and just over time find those positives. 
And eventually I found the positives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took a while. Um, but it's yeah, it was it was a journey. Yeah. And I was, of course, classic mini looking at the outcome of yeah, being at yeah, Olympic yeah. Games, yeah. not being present right now. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite tough. And um I couldn't help but think, well, other teams could get better in this next 12 months. Yeah. What if I get injured? What if other players get injured? And unfortunately, Niall Williams did get injured. She yeah. missed out on the Olympics because she had to have neck surgery. Yeah. So all of those things came into my into my head and affected my motivation of training because I was like, oh, like oh, I gotta do this again. Like yeah. it was really tough. Um, but obviously in the end it was a positive for us because we still came away with the gold medal. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, in all honesty, bro, like I'm I'm quite over it. I'm really over. Um, how much it's controlling our lives mm. um, and how much it is affecting other people's, you know, like again, mental health, their yeah. work, yeah. Um, their pay, all of that. Like it's, it's, it's just so frustrating that it's this thing that we can't actually physically see or no. you know, we can control it to some extent by being vaccinated or staying healthy, yeah, of course. Um, staying home if you're feeling symptoms and all of that, we can control it to that sense. Mm. Um, but to the point where it's making us stay home if we're a household contact or not being able to do this because you're not vaccinated, like all of that just yeah, bars me up. Sucks, <laughs> eh? Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. I, I can't wait to – I was talking to somebody about this recently and I, I think we said like, can you name a day – that you didn't talk about COVID or think about COVID or see the word COVID or it popped up somehow on a social media, even even like if you're on holiday, just like not even thinking about it. At one point in your day, in the last two and a half years, that word has been in your mind, on your lips, or like you've read it. Yeah, hey. It's everywhere. But Absolutely like, everywhere. Inescapable. Yeah, but yeah. I, I am glad we're sort of like getting, well, I hope we're getting out of it. You know, yeah. at the time Slowly of this recording, it's actually Slowly. it's actually funny. Um, I I can't remember who I was podcasting with, but it was some one of my uh, earlier. It was when the first kind of round had finished, and we kind of were getting back to normal. And I remember uh, the, on the podcast, it was like, "Man, isn't it great that COVID's like kind of over and like we're kind of it's like kind of like almost you know New Zealand's back to normal." This is back in like when we go to you know Joe's farm in that summer and like yeah. you know. And now I was like, ah, psych. Yeah. <laughs> what a it's psych. It's on you. Yeah, yeah. Hard day. Just, Go back to lockdown. Yeah. In yeah. Auckland as well. Oh. We were hammered. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, actually, that's um, – so here's a good little Olympic, back to the Olympics. Yeah. But um, obviously we had to do MIQ for two weeks. Oh, um, and to be honest, it was quite a fascinating time, like being stuck in a hotel room and forced to stay there for two weeks. Like, Who are you with? Of- Who were you stuck with? Uh, no one. You're by yourself. You're okay. by yourself in a room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so none of our teammates could room together. And to be honest, I wasn't really wanting to anyway because yeah, we, we'd spent two months with each other before that. Um, yeah, true. Obviously going to Aussie and leading into the Olympics. So I was kind of looking forward to some me time. Yeah, fair. But yeah, by like maybe day, probably day nine was when I started to get a little bit insane. I was like, no. Nah. This is frustrating me. I'm sick of being controlled by these hotel people yeah. um, and eating the same food. But I just ordered KFC or like um, pizza when I could. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but we, so we hit MIQ. Uh, we got out of MIQ 
just for the sake of the conversation on Monday. And then we were in that next lockdown Tuesday night. So we spent probably oh. close to 24 hours of freedom. And then we were back into lockdown. Oh, damn. Oh, cool, damn. Bro. So we couldn't even, we couldn't even celebrate our successes. Um, we went from the Tauranga airport to obviously going home to see our family. I went straight to my partner's house in Cambridge um, to see him because at the Olympic games, I couldn't hug him because we were in bubbles. Um, So I went straight to Cambridge to go and see him. And then the next day we were in lockdown. So like all of our seven celebration events, parties, functions got canceled. So no parade, no sevens event Dude. at Black Park and the Mount. Um, no visiting schools. Couldn't even go and see my family, obviously, because I spent lockdown with my partner in Cambridge. Yeah. So it just took away like that. Hard out. Sell it, like the novelty and the um, the feeling of winning a gold medal because all of a sudden on the news we were talking about COVID again. So oh. even COVID took away so, all of those fantastic feelings of winning a gold medal at the Olympic Games. Have you still not been able to? Really? Oh no, definitely. So as soon as so we obviously had that. Um, so when it went to level four, when Delta started to yeah, turn yeah, up, yeah, yeah. Um, I spent I think about three weeks with my partner, and then once it hit level two, I went to New Plymouth, went straight home to my family. Um, but yeah, we've had. Uh, so we've had one seven celebration party okay. last year, and yeah. that was um, with the men's team as well. And yeah. um, we did a couple of farewells for some management, and um, that was when we did like a massive celebration of what mm. we did for the year. Mm. Um, otherwise, like obviously no classic parade in Auckland or anything at the yeah. Auckland airport because we went from the Auckland airport through like the special, special passageway um, to avoid any of the public onto a bus um, with army people and then straight Crazy. to the hotel. Um, so, yeah, it was a really bizarre feeling and um, quite a random process because when you think of the Olympic Games, you think of parties and parades yeah, and celebration. But, yeah, we couldn't even do that. Lame. Well, 2024, let's yep. go. Let's go. Um, That's where's... why I want to go because I want to, like, do an Olympic Games without COVID. Yeah, hi. 2024 yeah. is in where? France? Paris, yeah. Oh, how sick would that be? That Such be a cool place. We've um, we've had one World Series tournament in Paris, and it's honestly just one of the most beautiful places in the world. So oh, awesome. can't wait. Get me there. Um, <laughs> so, like, I love this is what I love about podcasts. We're 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 over an hour, and and now let's talk about it. Just just because it's we're right on the topic. You are a freaking Olympic gold medalist. Like, if you think yeah. about it, yeah, like that yeah. isn't that just nuts? And I know. Under that, you are who you are, and you mm-hmm. do what you do, and all of that stuff. But like, it's pretty cool that you can be like, "Yo, I'm I'm a gold medalist, like Valerie, or like, uh, oh my goodness, mind blank." Like, I mean, uh, Lisa, Lisa Carrington, but she's like, she's a goat, but she's yeah, a gold medalist. But yeah, too, but I'm, I'm even thinking like, like in the ancient Rome days. Like these ancient Romans who were gold medalists. I know that's kind of yeah. a dumb thing, but like just like you know, you are it's the so same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even though Simmons went around then, but yeah. um, although you'd probably rip it up because all they had was sprinting, right? So 
Probably, hey. yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember that game, and I remember. I hope this is right because if it's not, then oh well, awkward. But I remember, didn't you score the opening try? I did. Yeah. Yeah, blind through the middle, and <laughs> I think I think the commentator said something like, oh, "I can't remember." You'll never catch her or something. Because <laughs> it's true. Because I actually remember when you first burst onto the scene. Must have been like, well, burst burst onto the scene. That twenty seventeen, sixteen ish, when you were like yeah. scoring, like it was like, who is this chick just scoring every time she gets the ball? Um, <laughs> but it was the same thing, like when you had that try up the middle against France, it was like, oh, <laughs> easy, gold medal, yeah. let's go, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. that must have felt good though. Like I've just scored in an Olympic final, you know. Yeah. Um. Even the I whole guess- final, just the whole final, the whole experience, like. I kind of like weirdly can't like remember a heck of a lot. I have to like watch the game and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what happened. Um, I don't know what it was. I really don't. But going out onto that field, it was like a feeling of, yeah, we've got this. Like just a sense of confidence and being collected Mm -hmm. and connected as one team. Like we obviously, France were obviously exactly the same. They're going out there to win a gold medal too. But I don't know. It's just like this feeling of knowing that we had it in the bag mm. and we'd been working so, so hard for five years for this one moment. Um, and we were finally there. We were finally getting ready to play for this Olympic final. Um, but yeah, like you say, like I, my job as a winger is to score tries. Whereas players like Sarah Hidden, Kelly Brazier, Tyler Nathan Wong, yeah. um, Teresa Fitzpatrick, they're all there to set up the tries. That's kind of more so their role. Um, so being the speedster on the wing, um, you know, that's part of my role was to be the one that scores most of the tries. Um, and so, yeah, scoring that first try in the final, um, I just felt this immense feeling of adrenaline when I saw um, Gossi break the line. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our girls in the middle were quite tired because there had been quite a long pas- passage of play. So I think it would have been like a minute to a minute 30 of continuous play. Mm. And I was just fresh. I was chilling on the wing. I hadn't done anything yet. So, um, yeah, I thought, okay, well, this is my time to support her. So I was catching up to her like, oh, see, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and then she passed it. To be honest, I didn't expect her to pass it because um, I was in quite an awkward position in, com- in comparison to yeah. her. So for her to make the pass, she really had to That's right. She had to wrap like around, yeah. Yeah, so straight talent by her. Like, that's unreal. Oh, um, so yeah, to be honest, when she passed the ball, I had to catch it like with a bit of a fright. Cause I was like, Oh, well, you, you've passed it. And then I took off. Um, and actually another moment that kind of made me go, yeah, now nah, we've definitely got this in the bag was actually, um, just before halftime. So one thing that we pride ourselves on is, um, playing until the minute, like yeah. to the whistle, sorry. And so it kind of had gone half time, like the um, it definitely was nearing to the minute or nearing to the um, to the whistle. And Stacy scored under the mm. posts in that first half. And so I don't know what it is, but being a team that um, plays till the very last minute or plays to the very last second, scoring just before half time gives you that little bit of momentum mm. going into second half. Yeah. So when Stacey scored that try, I can't quite remember what the score was, but it would have been like 
I don't know, 14-5 or something because mm. France had scored in the first half as well. Um, it definitely was a feeling of, oh, sweet, we've got the momentum going into the second half, so we need to hold on to it. Mm. Um, and then actually France ended up scoring uh, to make it 14-12 maybe. Yeah. So, um, you know, we just had to, I guess, stay composed. Um we knew that every time we had the ball, we would score because no kidding, France got the ball twice and they scored twice. Yeah. So we had most of the position and most of the territory. Um, and by having the ball and scoring tries, that's where you win games, obviously. Mm. So as long as we had the ball, we had control of the game. Um, so yeah, that final was just by far the best game that we played in that whole tournament. We yeah. left the best till last. For you sure. did, you did. I think, um, yeah, I think even one of the like most poignant moments of that of that tournament, I reckon, across all of our sports teams and even sports moments across the whole board was when you when the at the medal ceremony, you know, and how you guys decided to put the medals on each other. Yeah, like I obviously it was pre-planned, but it was like yeah. this is so cool. Like how gangster is this? Like we, yeah, like. Why hit it hard, you know? Like we were like, yeah. let's go, girls. It was it was yeah. cool. It was so cool to watch. And and I'm gutted that you girls haven't been able to come back and have like the big hurrah parade and even were you nom you were nominated eh, for Helberg team of the year? Our, yeah, our team was, and then Sarah was nominated for sportswoman of the year. Cool. Which is awesome. Awesome. I know I think the black caps won it. But yeah. um yeah, I just what a what a freaking awesome experience, eh? Like, totally yeah no very 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 proud of what we've done um yeah. we worked so so hard and obviously New Zealand being um rugby mad we naturally have that talent all over our country yeah um and so for us we utilize our talent um whereas some countries have to develop the rugby game you know like yeah. for like USA, for example, um, rugby is not really their game. Um, it's more like your ice hockey. Um, mm. Is it called NFL? NFL yep. basketball. Yep. So all of the sevens girls that play in the sevens team come from different sports mm. and have learned how to play sevens. Yeah. Whereas for us, we're just naturally rugby players anyway. Yeah. It's just you know bringing, I guess, um, work like using our work ethic and um, knowing that we've got to train even harder um, to better our talent or to better our skill set. Mm. So that's kind of like, I guess we use that to our, to our advantage being yeah. um, rugby, being our national sport. Yeah. Um, so obviously everyone sees the black jersey and they just instantly say all blacks. And we're like, no, we're the black ferns. Thank you. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, we have that advantage as well, as well. We have the support all around the world because everyone loves the black jersey. Mm. Um, and we're very, very lucky to be holders of that and to represent the jersey with pride and mana and um, being one of the most successful rugby teams in the world, in my well, opinion. Not even rugby teams, successful sporting teams. I'd say. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. I um, mean, there's not many teams that, I mean, obviously the girls got silver in Rio, but we have two world cups, a Commonwealth games, um, obviously an Olympic gold. Uh, we've won five out of seven world series contests. So, you know, as a whole, our team is 
very very successful um yeah. we're very proud of that yeah i do want to ask you because i've it's just come to my mind when you said about you know hey the all blacks no we're not the all blacks <laughs> how i don't know how you would answer this um and i don't know how curly of a question it is but i'm going to ask it anyway <laughs> um be being uh wahine being a woman in professional sport yeah always the 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 topic or the the um yeah the like pay parity you know like pay discrepancies between yourselves and men and mm-hmm. just like just the huge gaps there are in I, I don't know what New Zealand rugby is like um and you don't have to comment on that specifically but just being a woman in professional sport having to kind of stack up to men in professional sport you know yeah. um. Yeah. Where are you on that? Like, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming, like, I just saw something recently, for example, with the New Zealand Basketball League, the women are getting paid exactly the same as the men. I just saw that too. Which yeah. I think is awesome, you know? Yeah. And I yeah. understand the whole things about, you know, ratings and whatever, and more people might watch a specific thing and that's where they justify things. But, you know, it's pretty, yeah. It's a bit of it's, yeah. like, it's that subject, eh? That it's just like I, I don't know. It gets me a little bit like. Mm. When I saw the the news about the basketball players, what blew my mind was that it's a topic on the news, and it's 2022. I'm like, this shouldn't be like cool, amazing, but like, why has it taken this long, yeah. and why is it something that's on the news, like? it should naturally be something anyway. Mm. Like it shouldn't have to be a topic in 2022. Like it should have been happening 10 years ago or whatever. So um, yeah, whenever I see or hear about things like that with women's sport and um, pay equity or equality. um, Yeah. It does definitely kind of burn a little bit of fire in my belly. Um, I guess, you know, for a long, long time, uh, rugby for women here in New Zealand has gone from nothing um, to who are the Black Ferns to now being full-time professional athletes. Awesome. And it's taken a long time, a very, very long time. Um, You know, so when I was first in the seven squad at school, so 2012, um, there was no contracts involved. Um, There was no... Like, not well, if there was, I didn't get much of it, but there wasn't really any like free Adidas gear like we get today. Mm. Um, you had to figure out your way to get to camps. Uh, the girls that went to like tournaments back when I was at school, so 2012 to 2013, um, they wore men's sized jerseys. So it wasn't even like a woman's fit jersey, it was a men's sized jersey. And it was kind of like the leftovers that were kind of stuffed in the back of the cupboard um, that they wore. And so we had to work really hard to get the recognition that we have um, to be, I guess, classified as full-time athletes. Um, And it probably took till, I think I started being paid as a full-time sevens player in 2015, uh, the first contract I received was a contract for like a training contract. So it was mm. bugger all. Yeah. Um, so contracts were introduced in 2014, but it wasn't a lot. And um, we were equal to the men 
uh, in 20, I want to say like 2019 or 2020 was when we were officially equal to the men. Mm. Um, so it took a long time for us to get to that. Uh, it took a lot of successful tournaments for us to get to that. So obviously winning quite a bit was very helpful for us. Um, but yeah, it is it is a touchy subject, but we have gotten to the point where we are now full-time athletes. Awesome. So for any young girls that are listening or any women that are listening, um, play rugby. The amount of pathways that are there now um, are, you know, endless. Mm. Back when I started playing rugby, there weren't, there wasn't obviously super rugby. Um, no. And the, well, the FPC, the Farah Palmer Cup, um, the Mitre 10 version of the women's game, uh, of the men's game. So yeah. it's all of those pathways that have, that have, begun as well these academies there's development teams the development programs um so for those that want to be sevens players or want to be rugby players that pathway is there for them today mm. and that's incredible it's mm. taken a while but we've got there and so for all it's those awesome. young girls make the most of the opportunities that you get given so whether it's to start at school club um you know really build the love for the game because it is a full-time job now for women. Mm. I don't have to go to work after training. You know, Sick. my job is training. And for some of us, we are paid just as much as the men, if not for some of us more, you know, it is a full-time job and we get all of this Adidas gear. We travel business class to all of the tournaments, you know, that we tra- that we go to overseas we're now gold medalist Olympians. You know, it's 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 unreal to yeah. think back to what it used to be for women Hard with out. rugby to what it is now. So, yeah, super proud that um, yeah, that's so for, cool. the, for the team that have started that legacy and are continuing that legacy. Mm. Um, it's just been a bizarre journey, but we're there and we've still got so much more to give. That's the crazy thing. We've For still sure. got so much more to give and there's so many girls that um, can come and play rugby and more girls are wanting to play rugby because they have role models to look up to because we're on TV yes. and because we're Olympians and because we've won a Commonwealth Games and won two World Cups, you know, so um, we've done all the hard work to making sure that we are uh, portrayed as full-time athletes. Mm, that's sick. That's that's awesome. And yeah, anyone listening, do the mahi. Yeah. Get the play treats, rugby. eh? <laughs> um, come play rugby. Come and do it. Um, yeah. Although when I hear that your mindset is smash them, let's, let's destroy them. Just don't run it up against Michaela. <laughs> Avoid her at all costs. <laughs> I mean, you could develop that mindset as well, girls. Like <laughs> you can have that scary mindset too if you want. <laughs> oh my goodness, that scares the crap out of me. Um, nah, it's awesome. Hey, before we get into like our segment at the end here where we have like kind of listener questions, I do want to know, obviously 2022 Commonwealth Games and we've got 2024, uh, oh my goodness, Olympics, um, mm-hmm. which we're going to get gold in both, but that's gold. But yep. um, beyond rugby, I know you probably get asked this before, a lot or whatever, but like, the, the joys of um, – there's lots of joys and um, pros of being a professional athlete, but obviously one of the cons is that it's a limited season. You know, you can't be running it up 
and the 2030, oh no, no, 2050 Olympics, you know, the the body won't be working for you. So yeah, rugby and professional sport, there's that time where it comes to an end. Have you got, you're still a young buck, you know, you're still, Mm -hmm. you still got a few years left in you, obviously, but do you start thinking beyond rugby? Have you started thinking beyond rugby? Yeah, um, I've dabbled in quite a few different things and that's the beauty of our program as well. So we have um, we have someone that's called a, develop- a personal development manager. Um, her name's Nikita. Shout out mm. to Nikita. She is honestly a goat. Um, and she, I guess, helps out with plan B. Um, and that's something that I try to encourage any young girl that, come in, that comes into our environment um, explore, you know, don't think that you have to know what you want to do outside of rugby because mm. as, as the journey goes by, your passions will change, um, your interests will change and things will come into your life. Um, mm. you know, so like things will start to come your way. So for example, um, uh, off the top of my head for, for maybe for like for me personally, um, you know, I've done a couple journalist stuff, commentary. So um, done a couple rugby shows. So media is something that you get better at. And yeah. so I'm kind of dabbling in that a little bit with doing some journal. Oh, sorry, not journal writing, column writing for the rugby news magazine. Um, but for me personally, like I initially started off with a bachelor of sport and exercise with Massey University. Um, I did that through distance learning. And to be honest, I did it because I felt like I had to be doing something because my dean told me I had to have plan B. Um, so you so listened to her. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the next, the moment that I see her, eh, the next time I see her, I'm going to be like, miss, you know that conversation that we had? Yeah. What, what, what do you get paid a year? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Wait, respect just flex, like, uh, flex up on her. I love that. <laughs> um but yeah to be honest I did it for like two years and I hated it like it was so boring yeah um and then my other passion I love animals obviously coming from a dairy farm and so I've done um an animal care certificate I've done a dog training and psychology certificate but the other passion that I've had ever since school was the police but in hindsight it was kind of not unrealistic but I needed to be doing something that I could do alongside rugby mm. and the police, you know, obviously you study and then you go to police college and then you're a cop, but yeah. I couldn't go to police college. Nah. Um, and so it kind of was pushed to the side a little bit, but in 2017, the Tauranga police department did like a, I want to call it like a skit with their, um, with their dogs and did it at Blake park. And they had like this, like busted up car and someone pretended to be a burglar and had the dogs run up to them and bite them. Mm. Then they had a helicopter come and land in the middle of Blake park. And like these days people came out all covered in black and pretending like, and all the smoke and stuff. It was unreal. Absolutely amazing. And um, that was a moment where I was like, okay, yeah, I need to go into this police world. So um, I've done quite a few practice tests for the police. I've done some ride-alongs with the um, dog handlers at the Tauranga police. And I loved it. Like it's so exhilarating running behind the dog because they let me run behind them when they were chasing bad guys um, and run through people's property, 
um, and watch someone get bit by a dog. Like I was literally maybe five meters away from all of this happening. It was insane. I loved it. So um, that's definitely kind of one career option for me, but it's just finding something that can, I guess, excite me just the way that rugby has. Cause I mean, an Olympic gold medal is pretty surreal. It's pretty like, it's, something that I will hold forever close to my heart and give you the adrenaline that nothing else ever will. Mm. And so it's just finding something else that will give me those same emotions. Like, obviously it's not going to probably give me the adrenaline that an Olympic final will give me, but something that will just excite me and um, actually make me want to wake up in the morning and want to go and do it. Mm. Um, So yeah, the police is definitely one option um i own this i own like i own a house and so property development and property investment is another passion as well um so you're probably dabbling a little bit down that area as well so yeah i've got some options that's cool yeah yeah i'm not thinking too far ahead because i want to go to the Olympic games (laughs) oh hard out and you know the thing is i personally have seen and like obviously we've seen from a uh, national perspective like we've Mm -hmm. seen rugby players or just professional athletes who have finished and fallen into um, like real sad stories, you know, like because their stability of being a professional athlete is gone mm. and there's a hole it's there like now. like a form of identity is gone because mm. for so long we think of ourselves as rugby players, so you've got to find yourself as someone else. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's, it's a sad way of putting it, but, yeah, for so long we think that we're Michaela Blythe, the rugby player, so as soon as we retire or – can't play rugby anymore then who am I so it is that journey of feeling of finding um your identity again and figuring out who you are as a person Mm. yeah it's something we've got to go through Mm. what would you say to people that are listening that might not know who they are oh gosh um not that there's there's not a perfect answer obviously but good good question I guess I guess like if I was to think if I'm saying this to myself and however many years time when I stopped playing rugby and I'm like, who are you now? I want to be happy. So for anyone who is like maybe struggling to find out who they are outside of their other passion or, mm. you know, if you've been a CEO for years or a doctor for years or whatever, yeah. um, figure out who you are and find those things that make you happy um for me being full of adrenaline makes me happy being with my partner makes me happy being with my family makes me happy being an auntie makes me happy you know you are all of those things first before your job you are a sister or a brother or a mom a dad I don't know if anyone's listening a nana and a granddad like you're all of that first before you are something else so be happy with who you are as a person first yeah and then find that passion next. Yeah. Um, and there is something out there for everyone. Absolutely. Like just because I'm not going to be a rugby player in however many years time doesn't mean that I don't have a purpose anymore. And it's going to take some time to find that purpose, but there is a purpose out there for me. Um, and outside of rugby, I am happy of who I am. I love being an auntie. Um, I love Sick. spoiling my niece. And um, I love being a daughter. I love having three brothers who I can pick on and have fights with, but still love each other. Yeah. You know, it's about finding who you are as a person first before yeah. um, venturing out into 
finding what that next passion is. Mm. It's, yeah, it's like you're not what you do. Exactly. Yeah, mm. you know. 100%. Yeah. Shucks, yeah. that's some us. That's some goosebumps corridor there. Um, that is DMs. Hey, <laughs> deep, deep, meaningfuls. <laughs> um, what we always like to say, we, me, what we like to do uh, on the on the podcast towards the the back end is, um, like I said to you off air at the beginning, I don't have a cool name for it yet. So maybe like we can come up with one. I'm I'm thinking like I want to say like quick fire, but they're not quick fire, you know, because they're like yeah. they're longer answers. But yeah. you know, like fast five, but then I don't always use five questions. Whatever it is, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, like listener slash a mix of my questions in there. Um, people, what they wonder when I say this is who's hopping on. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have. I'm trying to think of something on the spot, but on the spot, I, I need, I'm more of a slow process person. Like, yeah. give me two days and I'll come up with something for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, our listeners questions we'll mm-hmm. keep it boring for now until we think of a cool one um yeah. and when we get when you get me one i will make sure when i use it next time i'll credit yo kate yeah. Blyde, this is what okay. she came up with but a couple of questions that like and once again people that are listening if i don't get to yours i am sorry um but we try and filter through mm-hmm. some of them but i like this one okay so and this person must know their stuff i'm just reading it um <laughs> so Okay, how do how do I ask that? <laughs> okay, this is this is how I ask it then. You're really what, building it up, by the way. I know it's, it's like, like really it's like um, okay. What's your favorite movie? No, <laughs> no imagine that. Eh? Uh, what's your favorite thing to do? No, okay, I'll ask it like this. What has been your personal pinnacle outside of rugby? Because the person here is talking about like you were a world um, sevens player of the year twice. Like so, these crazy and. Olympics crazy pinnacle moments in rugby what's been a personal pinnacle outside of rugby like a moment that you're real proud of outside of rugby wow it's a good question Uh, eh? very good question uh probably owning property um I was one of those classic kids growing up that thought that if you own a house it's because you've married with five kids and two dogs and a white picket fence yes I never thought it would be possible for a 20, how old was I? 22, 23-year-old could buy property. Um, so that's something that I'm definitely proud of. Um, yeah, wow. Other than that, I guess, you know, going back to, um, you know, some personal things that I went through before the Olympics, choosing my happiness first. Awesome. That's definitely something that was a really, really tough journey, but it had to happen. Um, and so, yeah, I I chose my self-happiness and self-love first. Mm. And um, I've never been happier today. So that's been an incredible journey. Mm. Um, yeah, probably that's outside of rugby. That's probably it. But yeah, I've got lots of proud moments in rugby Sick, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, this one here says, what were the stigmas playing rugby at school when the other girls might not have been playing rugby? I guess like um, the classic one is that couch potatoes, I'm going to call them, or yeah. um, keyboard trolls, warriors, always yeah. say that women shouldn't or can't play rugby because for so long it's been a male-dominant sport. Mm. Um, I've never really personally had any like um 
I guess like growing up, I've always been, um, I've never struggled with building muscle, let's put it like that. And so mm. as I developed, my muscle mass developed. And so like growing up, I was always, here's going back to the school thing. Yeah. Um, like I got called the Terminator Hulk um, <laughs> She-Man because I had shoulders and biceps that were bigger than some of the boys. Yeah. Um, so shame on you boys that were skinny back then, but, um, yeah, yeah, I guess like just being proud of being a female rugby player is really important. Yeah. Um, because every, every single, every single muscle has a purpose when we play rugby, Mm. you know, from our ears, listening to the call, obviously we run. Um, so from head to toe, our whole body has a purpose when it comes to rugby. So be proud of that. Mm. Um, I think that's quite strong and powerful and quite feminine, you know, that our bodies have a purpose when we play rugby. Um, but yeah, I guess like all the time you hear people say that like women look like men when they're on the rugby field and it bars me up because it's just classic things that we're probably not going to get away from. Um, Mm. But yeah, be proud to be a rugby player. If you, if whoever's asked that question is a rugby player, but yeah, that's probably like the main stigmas that I've experienced. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've been quite fortunate on that side. Well, that that leads on a lot to this question here, which says, how do you deal with the haters? Yeah, um, you know. ignore them. Hmm. Um, what's it called? Like when they say, like um, with your glasses, and you're like blocking out the haters. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just bore yes. out the haters. Um, yeah, no, definitely don't listen to it. Like, you know your self-worth. Um, you know your purpose around playing rugby. And um, those people that try to put you down is just trying to make figure out ways to pick themselves back up. And that's sad. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess that's probably the best way that I can answer that, mm. to be honest. Um, just, yeah, ignore them. Don't read the social media stuff. Um, don't read the comments because nine times out of 10, the people that are sending hate don't actually really watch rugby that much or think that they're the next Graham Henry when really they're not. Um, So yeah, they are, they are not, they are not meaningful to you. They're not people that mean anything to you. So as hard as it, it's probably uh, easier said than done, but just ignore it. Mm. Don't look out for it and don't listen to it. Yeah, no, that's that's really good advice, and that's in any that's in anything, eh? Anything. Um, yeah, yeah, that's huge. Um, I like this one, and I always end on this one because it's such a buzzy question. It's one of those questions you kind of you have those yarns with your mates about, you know, okay. and and it's a question that your answer probably changes and evolves over the course of your life. Yeah, but it's always interesting, no matter who's on the podcast, athlete, a politician, an actor, actress, uh, a teacher, whatever. Everyone's answers are so interesting. So the question is, um, the classic, you can have dinner with three people dead or alive. Yeah. Who are those three people and why have you chosen them? Um, the you- first one would be my great granddad. Um, so my dad's dad, he died, oh gosh, in the 80s. But um, he did some really cool things. He went to war, and then he also did some really cool things with Port Taranaki. Um, So there's a wolf called Blyd Wolf after him. Um, I can't remember exactly what he did. He did something about, like, inviting, like, international boats or something. I I don't know, something like that. But anyway, um, I'd love to have a conversation with him. 
Um, mm. He's also knighted, so he's a sir. And so I'd love to just kind of awesome. figure out what his life was like yeah. um, and just kind of talk history with him. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second person would be Michelle Obama um, because nice. she's just a boss ass lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Such a boss. Um, oh, the for third, sure. The third person would be um, off the very top of my head. Um, oh my gosh, which family member do I pick? Who would get annoyed <laughs> if I don't pick them? Um, oh, actually, no. The third person would be just out of random, probably the queen. Yeah, I reckon like it would be interesting to kind of figure out who she is and her personality. Yeah, um, and just like know more about her life because you watch like The Crown and all those Netflix shows, mm-hmm. but like actually getting deep and meaningful with the Queen and being like, "Sus, yeah, what is your life actually like? Yeah. You know, like have you actually ever paid for something before? You know, <laughs> just yeah, cool right. like." Talk about that sort of stuff, yeah. Oh, that because there's some buzzy things about the Queen, eh? Like, do you know? Okay, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the Queen owns like all the swans in England, and like the Queen doesn't have to have a driver's license to drive, and like all these weird rules that like apply to her. <laughs> what the heck? You know? Honestly. Oh, that's so interesting. I would not. It just I, blows I, my mind that there's like human beings that get treated like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like they don't have to drive, they don't have to pay for anything. They've got all these rules in the White House. I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's really that, bizarre. That's a, that's a, that's a rabbit hole of like society. <laughs> you know? What oh I mean? yes. That. Oh yes. Like the drama, how Prince Harry and Meghan Markle gonna get couldn't get married because she was a divorcee and an actress. Like it was Princess Diana all over again. But I'm like, guys, it's love. Yeah. Who cares who we married? And it's 2022. Like, yeah. come on. C- catch yeah. up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it is bizarre. It is a bizarre world that we live in. And you know what? That's also, that's a very interesting dinner table that you that you got together. I can just imagine the yarn to be so funny. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. It just be, it's just like three. I mean, to be honest, though, they're all sort of, obviously, the Queen's nearly 100. And yeah, yeah. my granddad's, I think, probably 100 by now. Actually, yeah, he's easily 100. Um, but like just hearing their generation and their conversations, it's probably well too advanced by me, but I reckon I could just sit there and be like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> nothing like, it was funny. Someone, actually two people in a row, two weeks in a row have said one of their guests was Albert Einstein. It was interesting. Interesting. And every yeah. time I hear them say it, well, both the times I heard them say that, I, I was just like, I would not want to be at a dinner table with him only because everything he'd say would go over my head. Yeah. And I feel like I couldn't appreciate it like yeah. as much as I, you know, as I could. I'm like that with my partner because he studies um, civil engineering. Oh. And he'll honestly, I'm just, he'll say something about something, some water quality and some pipe thing. And I'm just yeah. like, what? <laughs> like staring at him like, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoosh. <laughs> Straight over your head, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Um, oh, smart people, man. Smart people, <laughs> eh? I mean, I'm a teacher and it's like, like uh, this is a vulnerable moment here. But yesterday we were making pirate hats. Yeah. And the kids would come up to me and ask me how did they make theirs. And I've got the instructions for them and all this stuff. And it was, it was like April Fool's stuff, you know. Mm. And even I'm like, um, <laughs> uh, I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Hold on, let's see. 
doing it with them like like arts and crafts and like my Achilles heel yeah legit like we were, like we did paper plane making the other day and they're like Mr. Dog, can you help me like with my plane and I'm like nope because I don't know <laughs> how to do it <laughs> Oh, oh gosh my um one of my um little brothers he's a twin um he's yeah. a teacher um yeah. he's dabbled in primary school i think he now teaches at um boys high and it just it, i don't know why but i just find it weird seeing like your younger siblings like actually making a career for themselves and so seeing my little brother being a teacher i'm like you being a teacher yeah. like it's honestly must be i i honestly respect to teachers man because obviously all the parents in lockdown who had to be teachers for their kids. True, yeah. You know, the amount of times that I saw on social media, nah, like teachers love you to bits. Like what nah, you do yeah. is insane. So yeah, mm. shout out to you guys for doing the Monday to Fridays, dealing with kids from nine till three. No, oh, let's just say, I appreciate that. And let's just say there's never a dull moment, you know, cool. never a dull moment. You're always yeah. on your toes. And like, you know how you talked about earlier about being present? in the moment mm. so mm. i am the same kind of person i'm quite like future focused like this is what we've got to get done and so we'll be like in class and i'll be like cool we're doing this maths thing but i know writing's next and we've got to do this and you know yeah. and you or, or even just general responsibilities of school or your life mm. and you miss these moments where kids just like and this is what i mean by it's never this every day is different like they'll come up to you and just say oh there's one kid the other day came up to me and I, i'm 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 focusing now and trying to be more present like that's my kind of my my thing at the moment you know yeah, yeah. and um this kid just is like mr og um have you ever been to laser strike or laser force or something yeah. and i was like yeah i have and normally you're like yeah yeah cool and especially this kid he, he loves to talk and i'm like yeah yeah cool 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 but i was just decided to listen he's like oh i did this and i did that and like let's be honest like i don't really like needed to know about how yeah. the ins and outs of your laser strike experience yeah. But the passion of him trying to tell his teacher what he did in the weekend, you know? And it's just like, wow. And those moments happen just, all the time, every day, all day, you know? Yeah. They're just so, like, intrigued with the detail and they've got no filter and they're so honest. Like, mm. honestly, we can learn from young kids because they're so just true. so honest and so, like, for summer, just yeah. so aware of their surroundings and just, like, the fact that he was so passionate about talking about laser strike, like yeah. cool, bro. Like I can go do that whenever I want, but yeah. he was so happy to do it. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it fascinates me how, and we would have been exactly the same yeah. when we were at school. But yeah, you just forget sometimes that we're allowed to express that in a child. Mm. So, and, and that's yeah. so passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, and what I love about kids is that everything is, well, most of the time, until they get older and older, but everything is genuine. So when they laugh, they're laughing because it's funny. They're not yeah. laughing because, you know, you know what it's like when someone cracks a joke and you got you feel the social pressure. Okay, I'm going to laugh to make them feel good or yeah. I better laugh because um, otherwise they'll feel stink. But like yeah. none of that. And they, they, they laugh because it's funny. And if they don't totally. laugh, it's because it wasn't funny. And totally. kids, will, kids will tell you, but Mr. Dog, you said we're going to do this today. It's like, true. I did say that. Yeah. You, you know, just like I've never been called out. <laughs> on things every day more than being a teacher but that's just yeah. the that the the innocence of youth is just so so special mm -hmm. you know we i remember at primary school um our teachers i don't know why i just thought of this but mm. just in case you need something to pick up um your rubbish in your classroom but my teachers used to like look around the room at the end of the day and she'll spot like a piece of rubbish or something and then she'd go all right everyone 
I've found a piece of rubbish in my head. I'm looking at it or I've found it. The student that picks it up gets a chocolate at the end of the day. And then obviously all of us kids are sprinting all over the room, picking up all this rubbish, this piece of paper, this piece of fluff, this game or whatever. I like love it. Cleaning up the room for our teacher. And obviously whoever picks up the piece of paper or the screwed up rubbish that was on the ground that she was looking at, whoever picks it up gets the chocolate. But it's just exciting, you know. And so if you ever need like a quick tidy up of your room, tell Dang. your kids that you're looking at something. And at the end of it, whoever picks up that piece of rubbish will get a little chocolate or whatever, oh, and they'll go frantic. I might, and, and that's I, the classroom cleaned up. And I already know my kids are going to be all about that. <laughs> <laughs> they love a bit of healthy competition. Yeah, you know, like yeah. oh yeah, it's so good. But hey, this has been, this is how you know it's a good podcast. We're sitting at the one hour fifty mark. Um, so good, honestly, Michaela. These yarns have been awesome, and what I love, um is that we created a space where like we didn't even talk about the Olympics till like almost 45 minutes in, you know, like mm-hmm. obviously what we said at the beginning is more to somebody than what they do. Totally. And um, I've really appreciated the yarns where we've, we've dived into, especially important things like, you know, identity and mental health space and mm-hmm. personal growth and stuff like that. And, and the fact that you have been an open book, like man, it's been I really enjoy it. I hope you've enjoyed it because I've enjoyed I've it. I've loved it. Absolutely. I mean, I've done quite a few podcasts before and interviews and it's literally always the same questions, you know, and so I just love kind of digging deep into what our world is really like outside of rugby or the fact that people need to remember that we go through things. Um, you know, our our lives are kind of portrayed as like these real cool lives that um, we get all of the stuff and it's easy because all people see on TV is us winning, but really in the background, we still go through things that everyday normal people do. Yeah. And so it's just to remind them, like we are still human beings oh. and we go through our struggles. We go through our highs of course as well, but there are other things that we experience um, outside of being rugby players. And it's just a cool little reminder for those that, don't see that really mm, yeah hard out and um i feel like we could like pattern this convo and turn it into a ted talk it's been that good totally um totally. <laughs> but hey loved it i hope you um go hard go well at the commonwealths this year this year yep. yeah and world cup and world, world cup, cup this year oh yep. my goodness oh, yeah, all the best for that stuff and um thank you yeah you're a legend thanks for hopping on no, I've really enjoyed this chat. So, no, it's been, I've loved it. It's been so much fun.